You are listening to The Pod in your own eyes. Two pastors from Phoenix, exploring theology, pastoral questions, and biblical themes. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, my name's Caleb, and this is Jason. Say hi, Jason. Hi. And this is Pod in Your Own Eye. Today, we're going to be doing a question and response where I ask Jason a pastoral question and ask him to pastor me, and then he's going to ask me a pastoral question, and I'm going to pastor him. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> well, fun in scare quotes, I think. Yes, uh, fun in scary quotes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're just we're going to take a stab at these, uh, these, these, and we're calling it Q&R very mm-hmm. specifically. Yes, we are. Because, uh, you know, we are but humble vicars, and uh, we <laughs> but, don't have all of the answers, so... We, uh, we, some of these things, you know, it's a, di- it's a discussion, it's a dialogue, right? Yeah. And just because, um, answer just sounds so like, I am the final yeah. authority. I am the expert. I, I will give you $50 next time we're in public and you introduce yourself as a vicar. Oh, great. Done. That's easy. <laughs> I didn't say which currency the 50 would come out of. Uh, that's so, awesome. Pastor Jason, uh, I know, especially of the last couple of years, I definitely have had this happen to me, and I know many of our listeners likely have had the same with just uh, a lot of the debates and discussions and hard conversations and really strong opinions and convictions that can oftentimes lead to uh, separation of relationships or estrangement. So if, uh, if someone were to come to you saying, hey, I feel bitter resentment towards you know, somebody in my life who we used to be close but now the relationship is frayed or estranged. How how should I address Pastor Jason the bitterness in my own heart? Yeah, that's a, yeah that's a great question. It's a very real question. It's one that I wrestle with mm-hmm. um, because inevitably, when there's conflict, when you know when there's like a relational fallout, you definitely have that creep in. There's a resentment. There's a bitterness. Um, it makes me think of the remember the old Keystone Light commercials the. The bitter beer face. Do you oh, remember yeah, those? I they do. were I don't remember, yeah. like nineties. <laughs> so that's what it made me think of immediately. I, I kind of make these weird like pop culture connections all the time, but bitter beer face. So bitterness, yeah, like bitterness is that it's resentment. It's and I've had this where I'm just going about my day mm-hmm. and then something triggers a past memory, triggers a, a maybe a um a memory of a, of a conversation that was had and that person then comes to mind and now we're like, we're feeling like it's, it's fresh again. Mm-hmm. It's like, we've just kind of stirred up the pot in our own hearts and, and there, we may have never, we have may not, not talked to these people in years. Yes. And there's this bitterness comes up, which I think, uh, we need to, we need to grow disciplined and, and just become a little bit better at stopping in those moments. Mm. And just going, wait, what? Like, why? Why is this happening? Especially when there's that much, like, if there's time and distance between that situation and those things. But even when it's more recent. Um, so you I, mean like uh, when I'm feeling bitterness? Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is to take a take a step, take a take a, a moment. Yeah. And just ask what's going on inside of me. Yeah. And. What is this feeling connected to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a really important discipline that I'm only just getting to like wade into, because typically in the past what I've done is just entertain the bitterness. Yeah, you know, and 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 stewing it and spinning it, 
and pretty soon you're having like fake conversations and arguments and mm-hmm. fist fights yeah. in your mind yes. and stuff. Is that just me? I, I do it all the time. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Every day. No. Uh, and, and it's, it's fun actually. Like it's sort of entertaining. Well, I in the win. Moment. I win all those Absolutely. arguments. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm always the hero in that story. Mm-hmm. I'm always right. And so it's this, it's this kind of sickly self-gratifying mm. exercise. But it only just leads to, uh, it leads to sin. It leads to brokenness. It leads to then me treating actual people that I'm face to face with with suddenly this like residue of fake these fake conversations and bitterness. And it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a dream. Like, you know how you like, yeah. you wake up from a dream and you're sort of have, because you interacted in a certain way with somebody, you're like, Oh, that wasn't actually real. Right. You yes. know? Yes. So yes. It, the same thing happens, I think with bitterness then when we, uh, it, 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 we just treat people then in actual life differently. So it's that discipline of, of stopping and going, where is this from? Why, why do I feel this bitterness and it's recognizing that bitterness is a, it's a fruit. It's like a, it's like a, I mean, picture a plant that has grown up. Uh, there's, there's a source of that. There is a seed, there's roots to that plant. And a lot of times we just look at the fruit or we look at the leaves of, in this case, bitterness. And we just try to address what's above the ground. When in reality, there's roots to that. And so following that thread or that stem of bitterness down into the roots of my heart uh, and asking, why do I feel bitter? And, and uh, the tendency even in that question is to go, well, I'm bitter because that person said this, that, or the other thing, or, right. or in this way. It's their fault. No, that's not it. That's not what we're doing here. Uh, we are going into the heart of it and going, what is the root of this bitterness? Why did, why did my memory get pricked and I now have this emotion in my heart. What's that from? And most recently this has happened to me. I actually shared this with my church this last week, but um, I followed that thread and God's so good. He's so, I mean, the spirit in us just guides us and leads us right to it. If we're willing to go there, the spirit's not going to take us on a detour, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to Mm -hmm. following a root of bitterness and for me, it was a fear of rejection. That's what came up. I simply paused. I asked God, why do I have this bitterness? And the quick answer was, there's actually a fear of rejection. Yeah, that's good. So then I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't a them thing. It's a me thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not the hero of my own story. There's some stuff that the Lord wants to deal with with respect to this bitterness that really has nothing to do with the other person. Mm-hmm. It's in my own heart. And when, when I'm able to identify that, then I surrender that to Jesus, and I go, well, what, is, what does Jesus think about me? Um, how does Jesus speak to my fear of rejection? And, uh, and, then I, and then I get to, and then I'm abiding in him, just like Jesus told us to. And then out of that come the, the fruits of the Spirit, comes the fruit of, of joy and self-control and patience and, and peace and these things. And so um, it really does, I, so that, that's that's the discipline that, that I've been exercising lately, particularly with respect to things that just come up, like these conversations, resentment, bitterness, frustration, hurt. And that's what it is. It's, so it's finding out where the source is, and usually the source is some sort of hurt or a fear or insecurity, and then turning and going, all right, Jesus, what do you want to do with this? Hmm. So. so if I'm hearing you right, owning that this is a me thing. Yeah. And it's, I, it's, 
the other people are not to blame for my feeling. Yeah. That the feelings are uh, something that the spirit wants me to chase down. Yeah. And to, to, to look towards maybe a need or a longing that I have that either I feel like this is threatening or not being met. And just to see what the spirit wants to do in that moment with me and expect that there's gifts waiting for me there uh, rather than bitterness. Yeah, and I would say uh, gifts is the outcome of the abiding in Christ. I mean, Jesus is the gift, right? And and he gets to have a say. He, he gets to say what I believe about myself. Mm. Yeah. And he alone gets to address those fears and insecurities and things that I have, so... Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Cool. Well, glad we solved that one. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, I would say if, you know, listener, if you have, if you have more thoughts or questions and you want to interact more with, you know, on that, then I don't know. How, are people supposed to get a hold of us some way? We don't even or? have a website yet. Yeah, we do. Well, you know where we live, you know, yeah. we're <laughs> Heritage Church, right Desert Springs Heritage Bible Church. Church. Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay. I have a question for you. Okay. I'm driving down the street, and I come to an intersection. What are you driving? I'm driving a, a really, really fly 2012 Forerunner. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. And I'm listening to my rock jams, uh, mostly like, you know, jock rock kind of stuff. Okay, got it. You know, bah, yeah. Bah, bah, got it. Because I'm, you know, I'm getting psyched up for something. Yeah, you're headed somewhere. Yeah, to, to yeah. And I pull up to an intersection, and there's somebody there with a cardboard sign who appears to be without a home, and they're asking for money. Okay. Pastor Caleb, mm-hmm. do I give this person money? That's a great question, yeah. So uh, the, f- the first thing I would want to look to is just a self-check. What are my motivations for this? Why do I feel compelled uh, to give. Sometimes there can be a desire to give out of a, a really pure and honest space. I really do want to help and love. Sometimes it can be a guilt or a shame or a fear. Yeah. Uh, so you're, yeah, you're sitting there and you don't even want to make eye contact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it can be performative. Yeah. Uh, I want people to see me do this. So yes. I think or just God, first, I want God to see me. I want God to see me do this. Yeah. That's right. So I, I would, I would just first check in with where my heart's at in that moment. Mm, that's good. Um, what, what's motivating this desire? Two, uh, I think the scripture can help form some of our thinking about poverty in general and our responsibility to uh, those in need around us. So the big idea, if you just kind of do a survey of scripture, you'll find that, uh, that there is a consistent call for caring for the poor in yeah. your community. Like it is throughout the scripture. Uh, God frequently associates himself with the poor. In fact, uh, the poor, the widow, uh, the immigrant... Um, and the orphan are the four most frequently cited uh, um, people yeah. uh, who are not only in need and are disenfranchised or marginalized, but that God actually longs for them to be taken care of or even uh, is associated with them in a unique way. Jesus does, does this when he says, if you've given someone a cold drink of water or food or clothed them, you've done it unto me. Like, yeah. So closely associated with the poor. And of course, Jesus spent a lot of time with the poor. Jesus definitely the, spent a lot of time the with the outcast. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a lot in scripture about it. There's also a lot in scripture around uh, why there's poor, like why are there poor people? Mm. And it's much more complex in scripture than the 
kind of throwaway easy answers that we have in our society. So uh, in scripture, there's uh, really complex reasons around uh, like things like famine and natural disasters, corrupt yeah. uh, leadership, yeah. uh, things like evil overlords. So think about like um, Pharaoh in Egypt yeah. enslaving yeah. Israel. Uh, then there's other spaces where it is a person's lack of willingness to work mm-hmm. or uh, or disability. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Uh, you've got people who are uh, beggars, but are also uh, that kind of intersects with a disease or yeah. uh, an infirmity they have that would prohibit them from working. Very complex. Poverty is very complex. Mm-hmm. So I also want to check in with myself and make sure that I'm not getting too deep into the why is this happening question. Uh, that is an important question. It's something that we as a community should be talking about. But in the moment that I'm looking at a person, I think that scripture would guide us to first recognize this as a fellow image bearer of God, that though they may look differently than I do, they may smell differently than I do, they may be, I might even feel some fear around it, or even some um, superiority. Yeah. Uh, this, this person and I, we are both image bearers of mm-hmm. God, and so this is not a matter of charity, where I'm elevated and they're the low and I'm... Yeah, sometimes that comes through like as pity. Yep, mm-hmm. yep yeah. it's not pity. I think that the scripture teaches us that this, this responsibility to care for those in need among us is a matter of justice. Mm. It is the kingdom of God right now on earth, as, as Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Question, are there people going hungry in the yeah. kingdom of God? No, there are not. So I'm going to live that now. Yeah, It's a matter of justice, right? Yeah. Each person getting what they... Uh, what is their right to have? Yeah. And I think if you look at Eden and the kingdom of God principles, uh, you'll find that. Yeah. So again, I'm just checking on my motives here. This is this is a matter of responsibility and justice. Uh, this is a matter of of equity, actually. Um, would, Paul, you, would you say in that in that like one one of the ways that justice could be defined in the way you're talking about it is is restoring something that's broken? Yep. Restoring yep. someone or something yep. to to mm-hmm. its to its intended place and yes. state. Yeah. And I think, uh, if, if you want to think more deeply about it, I think a really good space to be thinking about and reading about in scripture is the principle of the Jubilee mm. and just yeah. watch how in God's forming of his people into a nation, uh, how much ink is spilled on making sure that there's equity. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not equal outcomes, right? It's, yeah. it's not that, but that there is this, you know, this land is God's, he's given it to you as a people and you guys don't get to just take it from each other. Yeah. And so, uh, every Jubilee, it would be given back, yeah. right? That you couldn't in, basically enslave people through debt. Uh, and that, that's a whole other question. Oh, right? I know. Yeah. Jubilee, right. man. man. It's, and, but the principle is there, yeah. right? And, and I, th- I think that, that scripture is making the argument that if, if we're going to live the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven right now, then it's, it's, it's not a matter of charity or pity. It's a matter of justice. Yeah. And, and so as my approach and my heart, my attitude, it's just framed in that space. So then you get to more of the uh, wisdom questions. And this is a guiding principle I would encourage anyone to use. And that's this question. What's the wisest, most loving decision I can make based on the information I have right now. Yeah. Yeah, I so hear you saying that all the time, the, Caleb. It's the, so good. <laughs> the information I have right now is this person is saying that they're thirsty or saying that they're hungry. And so what is the wisest way for me to help meet that need? Uh, I also have some information. So me personally, I have information on, uh, like there's a book called When Helping Hurts that I would highly recommend and others that show that just giving, um, giving someone uh, cash, let's say, 
uh, by and large, does not seem to be the best way to provide help and care, especially in uh, the United States, at least here in Phoenix, uh, within the homeless community. Uh, there's an awful lot of mental um, uh, disability mm-hmm. and uh, need there. I mean, f- folks that are just not in a position uh, mentally to be able to like balance a checkbook or something like that, or even handle money. Yeah, and they they need care. They, the problem, and I think this is a big, um, this is a really important principle. The issue of poverty is not about money. Mm-hmm. It's not a money problem. We we kind of as Americans in a free market economy and consumeristic, we think money is going to solve the problem. By and large, the reason that that person is likely there is they have very little family structure. Yeah. There's no uh, community that can care for them and help them. Uh, they're not getting the help that they need to do sometimes basic things. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes that's the case. Not always the case, but statistically I think that the numbers show that that is usually the case. So now my posture is the, the, the problem with this, uh, the problem this individual is experiencing isn't a lack of money per se. So if I give them money, it's not actually helping, right? The, the problem is they need a network, they need people. And I would argue that they need church. Yeah. That, that church collective, the collective body of believers can be uh, a help to them. And that's a long, arduous, confusing process because this is a big, big, uh, complex issue and problem. Yeah. And so I, instead of uh, just giving the person money, certainly things like, can I give you some cold water to drink? May I buy you a meal? Can I bring you some fresh fruit? And then even asking, do you want help? Do you, w- beyond this meal, beyond this water, do you want help? Do you want um, me to make a few phone calls? Do you want me to connect you with somebody? Uh, do you want to be a part of our church? And we can help you. And and at Desert Springs, we've we've had this happen where, uh, people who were uh, were, were homeless um, actually were fellowshipped with us, um, still do, uh, and but then through the relationships and the connections, we're able to get into a job that fit their capacities. We're able to get because of the job, then um, balanced budget. Yeah, but that was all like members awesome. of our congregation were like walking alongside of them every step of the way because that was the actual yeah problem. Yeah. And so my encouragement would be, uh, if we're checking in with our hearts, we see a person asking for money, we're checking in with our hearts, we're connecting that to um, you know, Jesus-centered justice on earth as it is in heaven, and that's our motivation, um, then I think the bigger question is, how can I holistically help? And then have, if, if you're in a position to do this, um, to, to even invite the person in to your congregation or church, to work with the church collective to provide resources uh, and then to continue to pray for and encourage and support that person. And again, remembering their main issue is not an a, a lack of money. Yeah. It's a lack of community. Okay. So I'm picturing, you know, picturing sitting at that light, it's about to turn green. Yeah. Like what you've just explained and described is like, that's, that's a huge commitment and that's not something you can accomplish. Like sitting there as a light's about to turn green Help me out with it. Like uh, at that point, like yep. What do you do? So this is uh, this is an excellent question. We should not make decisions about handle uh, bringing godly, uh, bringing godly principles like godly justice and the kingdom of God and equity. Uh, those decisions shouldn't be made at a stoplight. Yeah, I would <laughs> yeah. I would invite you to right now engage in prayer, thoughtfulness, Bible study, engagement of Bible study within your community. 
to create a personal and, and communal plan for how we are going to engage uh, and, and help uh, in areas where there's homelessness. And so I'm walking into this space with a plan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm driving around my community with a plan, yeah. with a conviction. And uh, I am not the one who's called to meet every need I see. That's really important to hear, I think, because we take a real individualistic mm-hmm. take on on the issues like this. Yep. And I'm sure that there's people out there listening right now that really have a passion and a heart of compassion towards uh, the homeless and, and, and uh, people who are poor. And and uh, and there's a sense in which, all right, I've got to own this myself. Yep. And so what I'm hearing you say is, no, this needs to be a community effort. Uh, Let's not fall into the same kind of trappings. Yeah, the, uh, the way that the church is answering this question, you find it in the book of Acts, chapter 2, uh, that they, as anyone had need, they would sell their possessions yeah. and take care of each other. Yeah. Uh, the Apostle Paul, throughout the Apostle Paul's ministry, uh, he's frequently, ma- if you read through the letters of Paul, he's frequently riffing on this idea and mentioning it, sometimes outright explicitly talking about it. He's doing a... Um, I believe it was over 15 years long fundraiser for the church in Jerusalem. Yeah. Like he's out there doing work, but he's constantly saying, Hey, we got to remember that fundraiser for, for, and it was famine relief. Yeah. Uh, and he was, it was a communal enterprise. It was a long-term enterprise. It wasn't a one-off. And it's also, um, if you don't mind me saying so, it's also relatively boring. And what I mean is the one person saving that one person from mm. a life of despair and sacrifice. You know, these are the things we make movies about. Yeah. But, but the real blessing is when a community of people in, have long faithfulness in the same direction, yeah. staying in a community for a long time, serving in the community a long time, uh, not running from, oh boy, this is big too, not running from poverty when it shows up in your community or neighborhood, mm-hmm. not, not fleeing out further and further. Well, I would, I would even add, add to that, not running from the work you know it's going to take to yes, address uh, that poverty in yeah, your community. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really what the issue yeah. is. Uh, again, the problem is not a lack of money. Yeah. The problem is a lack of community. Yeah. And, and the resources that come with that. Yeah. And that, that takes systems and communities and networks of people. And so that would be my encouragement. Um, yeah. Don't let the stoplight be the first time you think about it. Uh, pursue this from a place of, of bringing the kingdom of God or, or living the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Um, a space of equity, recognizing this is a fellow image bearer of God. Uh, and then create a plan out of your convictions in a community. Okay, so... I feel like you've half answered my question. Okay. This is all really, really good. But nevertheless, I'm at that stoplight. Uh What you're saying is the answer is rather than make a decision there in the moment, either be the impetus or be a part of a church community that is talking about these and and, and wanting to step into these. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, like how does that then inform the way that I interact with that person yeah. who's holding the sign yeah. at the intersection. Yeah, is, it, is it a quick roll down the window and, hey, what do you need? Sure, it can be. Yeah. I, I think we, and, and I, <laughs> this might sound like the pastoral cop-out, but it, I think we have to be sensitive to the spirit in the moment. Yeah. If, I'm, if I have convictions, biblically formed convictions about it, and I'm, I'm actively engaged in care in this way, care for my community in this way, then uh, I think that when I pull up, 
I will already have in my toolbox uh, what to do. Yeah. And I do think, right, like very pragmatic. Roll down the window. Hey, how you doing today? What's your name? Uh, do you need some water? Do you need some food? Are, are you interested in getting more help than just water and food? I think that's always a, that's an honoring question because yeah. it speaks to their agency. Yeah. I think that there's many who are just like, no, I'm cool here. You know, I like my freedom. Yeah. It's okay. When I've done it, that's been the case. Yeah. Um, I could. I want to say this, though. I just want to conclude with one thing. Uh, I'll tell you a story of uh, something that happened to me. I was driving. It was raining. So it was that one day uh, in 2017 when it rained. Do you remember that one day in Phoenix? Uh, yeah. yeah it was I, a, it I, I circled Tuesday. it on my calendar. <laughs> I actually don't remember when it was. I just remember it was raining. And there was a, uh, a, a person uh, that was covered in blankets on a bus stop without, without a covering. And so they're just getting drenched with rain. Yeah. And, you know, I intuited, okay, this person is in need. And um, so I went, there was a Walgreens there, pulled into the Walgreens. I buy, you know, a couple grocery bags full of food and an umbrella. And I walk out to the person, uh, hi, you know, hello. And, and this person was laying down, so I didn't want to, like, disturb them. So I just kind of gently walked up, hi, 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 you know, made sure I made my presence known before I was a threat, yeah. so to speak. And this disheveled um, elderly woman was, uh, and it was hard to see her because she was covered in so many things, newspapers and blankets. And I, and I walk out, do you want, would you like some food? I've got some food here if you'd like it. Oh, yes, thank you. And then would you like an umbrella? I have an extra umbrella if you'd like it. Yes, thank you. So again, agency, yeah. asking questions, asked her name. Um, how long have you been here? How long have you been in Phoenix? Um, do you want help? Do you want further help? And um, she, she, she intimates, and I forget how, she wanted to give me a hug. You know, thank you so much. She starts crying. And so I go in for the hug, and then she looks me right in the eye, and she says, God loves you. Wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm choking up right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, it, as I was driving away, I remember saying, thank you, God, for that incredible gift of your presence. Yeah. And I would just encourage everyone that when I don't, I don't think Jesus is just doing, uh, I don't think he's just doing fancy rhetoric when he associates himself with the poor yep. and the marginalized. I think we actually do get a unique sense of the presence of God in those spaces of need. Yeah. And I would, I have come to frame this as rather than what can I give to this person, but what gifts does God have ready to give to me through them? Yeah, that's, that's really important, Caleb. That's really good. It was great. Yeah. Thanks well, for, thank you, Pastor Jason, for pastoring me today. Pastor. 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 Thanks to all of you uh, for listening. And, um, you know, we'll hope to step into some more of these. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that's all we step in. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, I hope so. Well, until next time, bon voyage. Auf Wiedersehen.